We've been talking about shepherd for a long time, a good shepherd. And we've been using this as an opportunity to talk, talk about leadership. We want to make sure our leadership looks like Christ's leadership. We want to make sure our structure and our goals and our desires map directly to who he is and what he told us when he was here. Um, there's a scripture in Matthew 16, before I get to um, 20, uh, Matthew 20, there's a scripture in 16:24 where Jesus says, he says something, and I'm going to paraphrase, he says, if you will follow me, take up your cross and do something, follow me. If you will have me, do you find that 16:24? Can you read that for me? Then said Jesus unto his disciples. Unto his disciples, not anybody else. What did he say? If any man will come after me. If anybody was going to come after me. If anybody's going to do what I do. Like Jesus didn't come here to be original. He came here to be the first of which there would be many to come after. Not a savior, but with the message of good news. The message of good news wasn't supposed to begin and end in his mouth. He was giving it to his disciples with the express purpose that we tell as many people as we can. And what does he say? If any man will come after me. If you're going to do what I do in terms of this preaching and teaching, what does he say? Let him deny himself. Let him deny himself. <laughs> this is what leadership is about. I'm going to be honest with you. We have a set of leaders in this earth today that seem to be, um, and my wife describes it as this way. I don't talk about any kinds of leaders. Slim pickings. Interesting. Like it's slim pickings what we've got to choose between. Because of the very first statement Jesus made. What did he say? If any man will come after me. If anybody's going to do what I'm doing. Let him deny Let him deny himself. Like that's what we, like accepting ourselves, being the authentic us, being who we want to be, is exactly what we've told everybody they need to be today. We've, de we've decided that telling anybody to give up anything of themselves is actually the wrong message. And I'm here to tell you, sometimes there's some parts of you that actually could do with some giving up on. You've got to deny some of your tastes, some of your desires, so that you can just get along with everybody else around you. That's nothing wrong with it. In fact, sometimes that's very appropriate. But he says what? If any man will come after me. If any man comes after me in my fashion, in my way. Let him deny himself. You're going to do it the way I did it, which is to suggest Jesus could have come here and said, you know, I have inherited, I am the Lord of this entire earth right now. Like, I am the one who spoke all this into existence. But he denied himself and became humble to what? The cross. So what is he saying about those who are going to be like him? He says what? And take up your cross. Take up your cross. Yes, sir. <laughs> You're going to have to do what I'm going to go do. Yes, You're going to have to deny yourself and take up a burden. It's not going to be a literal cross, but it's going to be your burden. You're going to have a burden to bear. Amen. Amen. What do I mean by a burden? You may be the only person who prays regularly in your house. That's your burden. I know you want them to do it, but you may have to be the light in your house. You want your church and your school and your classroom to be saved, and they're not. And it's not their job to be the light, it's your job to be the light. It's your burden, it's your cross. 
Our leadership is tough because it requires you not to point out what other people are lacking, but it requires you to point out what you're lacking. Oh, that's a tough type of leadership. To have a leadership that pointed yourself first is the toughest kind of leadership, which is why my wife says we have slim pickings. <laughs> slim pickings. Who am I going to vote for this year? Slim pickings. Who's going to lead the city council? Slim pickings. Why? Because they're not thinking about how they're going to make the community better. They're thinking about how they enrich themselves. <sighs> And we do that sometimes ourselves. We get selfish and say, well, my energy needs to be for me. Well, sometimes it does, but sometimes it needs to be for your environment you're in. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I've got to be the light here. Yes, Let me keep going. And by the way, this message is going to pinch a little bit. So I'm going to warn you right up front. This one's going to pinch a little bit. Okay. All right. Let's go to Matthew 20. Um, let's go to Matthew 20 and 20 if we can. And I'll start by reading, I'm going to ask you to help me in a moment, sir. Matthew 20, 20. Then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons, worshipping him and desiring a certain thing of him. This is a fascinating start already. So here we have a mother of two of the disciples. A mother of two of the disciples. In fact, it's the mother of James and John. Uh, their father's name is Zebedee. In fact, the scripture in some portions refers to them as the sons of thunder. What a name. Sounds impressive, doesn't it? Sounds like almost like superheroes, sons of thunder. This is what they refer to James and John as in the Bible, sons of thunder. And these, are, you can only imagine that they're powerful in some word or maybe in the miracles or with some teaching, but they are the sons of thunder. James and John are part of the disciples. They are learning from Jesus just like the rest. They're just another set of disciples following Jesus, desirous to know more about salvation through Jesus. And what we find out <clears throat> from this verse is that their mother has a certain set of ambitions for these two. <laughs> and she comes to Jesus, and the scripture tells us again, came to the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons, worshipping him and desiring a certain thing. There were two, definitely two things that the scripture wanted us to understand what was going on here. Yes, she was worshipping him, but there was almost like a condition. Like, I'm worshipping you, and there's something I need to ask you. I, I'm okay with, the, with that. But you have to be very careful that your praise and worship doesn't become conditional. Like, he's not a genie. We're not rubbing him and making wishes. That's not what's happening here. We are giving him praise and glory. And the blessings in addition to salvation are just what I get, but trust me, poor folk are gonna make the kingdom having never wore a single new outfit. They may not have been blessed in that way, but they're absolutely making the kingdom. So I don't want you to think that the only way you show blessings of the Lord is by what you get. Right? I don't want you to think that. That's actually a very controversial and difficult thing that I've seen a lot of leaders, again, preaching, connected our prosperity to our salvation. And I'm not here to do that. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Some folk are, are going to make the kingdom having never held a job down for whatever reason. Okay? So let's go back to the scripture here. It says, verse 21, 
And he said unto her, what wilt thou? Of everything Jesus is asking her, literally, what do you want? What do you want? And this is her response. She said unto him, grant that these my two sons, James and John, sons of thunder, grant that these my two sons may sit one on thy right hand and the other on the left in the kingdom. I'm gonna be honest with you. If this was up for grabs, I'd absolutely want it. Like if you could tell me, Mark, do this, this, and this, and this, and this, and you would get, uh, you get the premier seat, you'd be on the right side. Uh, that's, if that's something you're giving, I'll, I'm gonna, why not let me have it, right? And so she has the audacity to ask for her sons, because she's not thinking about this situation in the way that Jesus is thinking about leadership. She's thinking about leadership in the way that we generally think about leadership. The fastest person, the biggest person, the richest person, the tallest person, the one with the most skill, that's the one who should be the leader. The one who we're gonna celebrate, the one we're gonna adore, the one we're gonna follow on Instagram, the one we're gonna follow on Twitter, the one we're gonna like all their posts even though we don't really like them that much. We think of that as leadership and Jesus is about to show her something that's going to mess with her and the disciples notion of what leadership is. So let's keep going. He says here in verse 21, and he said unto her, what wilt thou do? She saith unto him, grant that these my two sons may sit one on thy right hand and the other on thy left in the kingdom. Uh, Verse 22, Jesus answered and said, ye know not, but ye know not what ye ask. Are ye able to drink the cup that I shall drink of and to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? Here's the thing about leadership that people always focus on. They focus on the part of leadership that looks nice. They, they focus on the part of leadership that makes them think, I want to do that. Let's take for an example the president. You may say to yourself, I would love to fly around in Air Force One, have all my meals brought to me. I would love to live in the White House for a few years. Why not? It's a beautiful place, has a nice residence. They have a full butler service. They have, there's nothing you can't ask for that the White House staff won't deliver to you. And if that's your idea of what the presidency is, you're gonna say, I want to be president. Except when there's a disaster. Except when there's a big decision to be made. Except for when now we are faced with the threat of war, and now no one wants to be president. You want the White House, but you don't want the decision. (laughs) You want the position, but you don't want the authority and the decision that comes with the position. Leadership isn't just about what it looks like, it's about what actually has to be done under the surface. And many people are taking up leadership positions having never considered that they're now in a position where folks need your help, they need your prayer, they need your diligence, they need you to be in your scripture, in your word, they need you to be constantly in season with them. There's no off time, there's no off season. Let's keep reading. Verse 22, and but Jesus answered and said, ye know not what ye ask. You haven't even got a clue what you're asking me. You're looking at the position 
and you don't know what you're asking me. And he said unto her, ye shall drink indeed my cup. You're actually going to go through some of the things that I've mentioned. He said, he says to her, your sons, James and John, are in fact going to be leaders in this church. They're going to eat the same cup, they drink from the same cup that I'm drinking from. They're going to have to bear a burden and they're going to have to take up their cross and they're going to have to follow. Don't get frustrated with your leadership just because somebody else doesn't take up the cross just like you're taking up the cross. That's your leadership burden. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, you know when, um, when we are at home and we have our things to do, we may get frustrated with each other because we're saying to ourselves, why am I the only one who remembers to take out the trash, right? Why? We're all throwing it in the same place. We're all, I know that the last person that squeezed down the top of the canister felt the burden of trying to push it down and just walked away. Like leaving the responsibility. Nia's left. <laughs> leaving the responsibility to somebody else. And you've said, you've said to yourself, I know they see it. I, there's no way, because I know they've pushed it down. Right? And then you have to take your leadership and say, oh, well, it it's just has to be done. And then you take it out. Or you say, okay, can you take the trash out? That isn't even something you want to do. You don't even want to tell them to take the trash out. You want them to know to take the trash out. And you've got to assume the leadership position and get it, make sure it gets done. Burden of leadership. That's a trivial example, but I just, but that's it. It's like you've got to take the assume and that's your leadership position. That's what you've got to do. She's thinking about where they're sitting and Jesus is saying, what am I going to be doing? You're thinking about a seat on the right and on the left and I'm telling you there's work to be done right here and now. Your leadership needs to be not where you're sitting but what you're doing. Don't focus on what you're wearing and how you're going to be pushed, positioned, whether you've got a seat at the front, whether you've got a seat at the back. You can be a leader right where you are. Yes. <laughs> Verse 23, he says unto him, you shall drink indeed of my cup and be baptized, baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared of my father. What is Jesus saying here? He said, we've got a plan on how we're gonna seat you all already. And I'm not here to change the plan. I'm just here to tell you what the plan is. And if your sons deserve it, they'll get the seat where they're supposed to get. Amen? Verse 24. And when the, the 10 heard it, this is where we're getting into the spice of this. This is where I hope it gets a bit spicy. It says, and when they heard, when the 10 heard it, so the 10, 10 hear what this mother has said for her too. She's not interested in the other 10. She's speaking to Jesus, not for the rest of the disciples, but specifically for her two boys. <laughs> and when the 10 heard it, they were moved with indignation against the two brethren, not against the mom, against the two brethren. <laughs> They're mad now. They're upset because their mother has tried to get them position above them. But Jesus called unto them and said, he detects this discord that's growing in amongst them. 
And we know that this is a conversation that gets repeated in St. John. This kind of who is first, who's going to be on the right hand, who's going to be the first person, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, who's going to be in charge. And Jesus is kind of telling to wait a minute, I don't think you understand how this works in this kingdom. I know how it works out there, but I need you to understand how it works in here. So what does Jesus say? But Jesus called them unto him and said, ye know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them. You're thinking about the right and left side as a prince in a kingdom and you've got it wrong. You're thinking about this as a chance to tell what everybody what to do without consequence. And that's not what this leadership is about. Like you want to be able to say, I need you to go into a plane and get me a pizza from the, a bistro in Italy and fly it directly back to me here because you're in charge and you can do anything. And Jesus is saying, that's not what this is about. What does he go on to say? And they that are great exercise authority upon them. We define greatness by talking about who can tell somebody else what to do. But it shall not be so among you. Like the person who's the leader isn't the person who gets to tell everybody what to do. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. The very literal definition of a minister is a servant. That's it. When we talk about who's the leader, what we're talking about is who's the shepherd? Who's helping the others? That's the best way to describe it. Who's the minister? Who's doing the serving here? Who do I talk to to get the help here? Not who do I talk to in order to tell me what to do? Who do I talk to to get the help I need? And he says, whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. You want your boys to be the head, then let them be ministers and servants. I can imagine this is what she was thinking in her head. When she was thinking about the right and left side, she wasn't thinking, oh, my sons need to be the best servants to the rest of the disciples. She, had, she was not even considering that. She was saying to herself, my sons are going to be able to tell the rest of those ten exactly what to do and when. <laughs> this is a promotion. What are the benefits? Being able to tell everybody what to do. That's not the leadership Jesus wants from us though. The leadership Jesus wants from us is for us to be ministers. The leadership Jesus wants for us is to be servants. That just turns everything upside down. I was speaking to Bishop Barber, I think I may have mentioned this. I was speaking to Bishop Barber the other day and he says, man, it's a, it's a reverse pyramid. We think about ourselves as being in charge when we're at the top of the pyramid and the whole pyramid is designed to support the thing at the top, right? So you've got this broad base coming out here and you think about leadership or people think about leadership as being the top of the pyramid. Now I want you to imagine taking the whole pyramid, turning it upside down and the point is at the bottom bearing all the weight of the rest. It says that's leadership. That's what, G that's what this mother was actually asking for her boys. Let my boys bear the weight and she didn't realize what she was asking. Yes. 
She thought she was letting them boys be at the top of the pyramid and she was really saying, let my boys be at the bottom of the pyramid. When we are called by God, what we are called to be is servants. <laughs> I love this scripture. It, it really, I'm gonna be honest, this is one of the scriptures that messes with me a lot. And I have to get back to this to remind myself of this constantly. We are servants to each other. That's our position to each other. It's difficult, it's difficult to have an ego when you're the servant. It's really tough to be a, have an ego when you're the one taking out the trash. It's really tough when you're the one who has to wash the dishes. It's tough. I refuse to have my ego come into it because I'm serving y'all. That's my position. That's what I'm supposed to do. Brother, that's what we're here to do. Serve. All right, let me go to another scripture here because I want to make sure we don't miss. In fact, let me just read this out. And verse 26, it says, but, she, but it shall not be so among you. Let him be, um, but whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give life, his life, a ransom for many. Hails back to what he was saying in Matthew. Take up your cross, bear a burden. Amen? Let's go to 2 Timothy 2, 4, 2 through 5. 2 Timothy 2. No, man. Excuse me, 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy 4, excuse me. 2 Timothy 4, verses 2 through 5. Preach the word. Here, Timothy, the, the, the letter to Timothy is basically like this. Paul is his mentor. Timothy is a young minister. Right, Timothy's, Paul's trying to teach him how to be a good minister to the people. He's telling him, kind of giving him the, the, the basis of how to be a minister to the church. We use this often, especially when we're talking about ministerial work. It's a very informative letter, very helpful letter for ministers and for servants in the church. And so this is an important part here that he asks of Timothy here. Read the word. Yeah. Be instant in season. Yeah. Out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exalt with all long suffering and doctrine. I just want you to stop there just for a minute. Right. Here he says, preach the word. Okay, good. Got it. Makes sense. We all like the idea of preaching the word. Wonderful. Right. But he also says, be instant in season, meaning be ready. <laughs> be ready in season. And then what does he say? Be ready out of season. Meaning there is no off season. This isn't the NBA. We don't get our summers off. <laughs> you don't stop being a minister with a summer off. It doesn't work that way. There's no off season. He's basically telling you to be ready. Be that ready. You have to have the word on the tip of your tongue. I remember as we were speaking again, Bishop Barber's uh, anniversary. I just remember we were young, I was like 19 or 20, and I was playing basketball over his house. <laughs> uh, I was playing with, with my brother Charlie and uh, uh, with Elder Strong, Brother Strong at the time. And we had this question that came up, and we rushed upstairs to ask him. He was in his bed getting some rest before the Sunday service, because we used to have two, two a days. We used to have service, remember we used to have service in the morning and the evening, right? 
And we were asking questions, and he was like, yep, yeah, got his Bible out, boom, ready to go. Instant. No warm up, he was just ready to go. He didn't need nothing, didn't know, like, talk to me later, I'm, I'm not on the clock right now. He was on the clock immediately. And was just helping us understand some ideas we just didn't get at the time, right? Instant. Your leadership is always necessary. It's your burden to bear. The thing is, we want people to be, um, only have problems in season. We don't want them to have problems out of season. This is my off day. No, it's not. You're instant. Come on, brother. That's true. That's true. I can't, my tragedy can't be scheduled around your, your schedule. Like, my tragedy is just here. Right? Instant. Let's keep going. Out of season. So, reprove, look at this. Reprove means to reprimand. This is the tough part of, of being a, a You have to say some things sometimes that make people a little bit uncomfortable because sometimes they do things wrong. You have to be ready to reprove, to reprimand them, to chastise them, frankly, to say, hey, this isn't quite the way we do it, right? That just doesn't work like that. We can't speak to each other like that because we will build up resentment. We can't do it like that. Let's, let's not do it like that. Amen. Amen? Amen. Let's keep going. Rebuke. Ooh, got a bit harder now. I got to sometimes correct you. Sometimes I've got to scold you too. I've got to let you, hey, you messed up right there. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I can't have that. I've got to protect the whole flock. That's right. The flock can't hurt itself. We've got to make sure that the flock looks after itself, right? Yes, sir. Very true. Let's keep going. Exalt. Now, interesting. Two were correction, but now I'm giving you something to help you. Yeah, yeah. Lift <laughs> it's not all rebuke. It's not all reprimand. Sometimes I've got to give you a bit of encouragement too. I've got to, I've got to advise you, encourage you. I've got to counsel you. Right? It's not just all about rebuking. Sometimes I've got to give you the encouragement you need. Leadership. Let's keep going. Exalt with all long suffering and doctrine. Man, I've got to do this in a way that's patient and based in scripture. Yes, sir. Amen? Amen. Let's keep going. Verse 3. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, <laughs> but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Stop right there. Leadership is a two-way street. I've got to say the right things. I've got to rebuke what I'm supposed to rebuke, reprove what I'm supposed to reprove, exhort what I'm supposed to exhort. But then on the other side, the folks have to hear. We're willing to hear it. Read that again. Verse 3, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But they are not going to, there's going to be a come a time when people don't, won't even tolerate sound, reasonable doctrine. They're not going to want to hear it. The scripture says they won't endure it. It's like as if it sounds like something that you have to kind of, it's like a problem that you have to kind of even endure. It's, it's a weird way to say it, but from their perspective, they're like, we, want, we don't want to have anything to do with that. And what we are going to be talking about is sound doctrine. Amen. Let's keep reading. After their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itchy ears. This is a tough one. See, this is why I say it's going to pinch a little bit. People want to hear what people want to hear. And if it goes contrary to the, the image they have of themselves, whether it's the truth or not, they don't want to hear it. 
I don't know if you've ever given somebody some advice and you know, bruh, you, you're in the same problem you were in last year. I'm just telling you what I told you last year. If you will just do the same, if you'll just listen to me. And they will not hear it. And instead they'll go find somebody who agrees with their position that got them where they were. Preach elder, so true. They will hear that. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Now you're in a problem for the last six months and I've been trying to help you. And I promise you, if you just do something a little bit different, but no, they'll go find somebody who agrees with their problems that they've heaped on themselves. We have to be very careful when the advice always sounds good. Some of the advice you're gonna get is gonna find a bit, I'm like, oh man. Give them, another per give them another chance? Why? That's tough. It's tough for your leadership, not for them. Don't give up on your leadership position. Amen. Even when the messages are tough, even when they're difficult, sometimes it's for you, sometimes it's good for you. I remember, it's only been recently that they've had medicine that tastes pretty good. These, when I was young, every medicine tasted awful. Like they have flavored vitamins now and all kinds of flavors for, for Lemsip and, and what's the other one, NyQuil. They got all kinds of nice flavors these days. When we were young, it tasted like, like let me be sick. Like let me go on ahead and be sick. I don't want that, right? But whether it tastes like doesn't matter. If it makes you feel better, go ahead and take it, right? Sometimes medicine, it doesn't taste good, but we've got to take it. It's two-way street for leadership. I can lead, but you've got to be led too. Let me keep going here. I'm almost done, promise you. For they shall, for, verse three again, please. Verse three, for the time will come yeah. when they will not endure sound doctrine. They're not going to even want to hear it, endure it, be around it. Yes, <sighs> Keep going. But after their own lust, yep. shall they heap to themselves teachers having engineers. Wow, so they're going to de decide, what is it that I want? What is it that I want for how I'm feeling right now? Oh, okay, I want a happy message. Let me go find a teacher who will make me feel happy. Let me find somebody who's going to make me be excited. Let me find somebody who's going to play on the, 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 the surface desire I want. And they're not going to ever sit down and say, is this the right thing for me? Yes, sir. <laughs> it's a tough one, I told you. Are we going to get past that kind of immaturity and say to ourselves, Lord, I know my teacher is, is tough on me, but I know that if I just do what they say, I'm going to pass that exam. Yes, 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 yes. Like, I'm going to be okay. You know why preachers can't always give you exciting messages? An excited mind actually doesn't learn a lot. I guarantee you if you go to the teachers and I ask you, which kids learn the most? It would be the kids that are sitting and listening calmly. The kids that are all over the place. You can barely get a message through to them. You can't tell them anything. It's like, oh gosh, I have to tell you 15 times because your mind's too excited. Right? I've got to take away all the distractions from you just for a second so you'll listen to me. We can't always be jumping in backflips. Sometimes we've got to be sitting, listening, and being patient with the word. But after their own lust, read that part out for me. But after their own lust, they shall heap to themselves teachers having engineers. So they're going to have a collection of people. The scripture says they're going to heap, it's like a, they're collecting things that make them reinforce what they believe already. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. 
They're going to reinforce the messages that are wrong, but makes them feel good. <sighs> it's going to make them feel good, but what does it also say? He says having itching ears. They're going to have an itch that they want to scratch. They're going to find teachers that will scratch that itch for them. And they're going to be just happy, but they're going to be no closer to the truth. What I'm teaching you should come out of scripture. What I'm teaching you should be based on the word. Should be rightly divided based on the word of God. I'm not coming to you from books. Or I'm not coming to you from feel good books. Or I'm not coming to you. I'm coming from the word. That's what I was taught. That's what I have. I'm a really good at mathematics, but that's not what I've come to talk to you about. I'm really good with computers, but that's not what I've come to talk to you about. It's the word. It's the rightly divided word. Let's keep going. Verse 4, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fable. They, they will believe everything but the word. They'll believe everything but the word. But what does he say to Timothy? Verse 5, but watch thou in all things. This is what he's telling him as a leader. Watch, watch. watch be careful, watch what's going on. In all things. Yeah. Endure afflictions. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. This doesn't sound like somebody who's the boss, does it? This sounds like somebody who's a servant, doesn't it? This doesn't sound like somebody who gets to tell everybody what to do. This sounds like a patient, waiting minister and servant. Watching all things. You've got to be the one who's watching, not them. Keep going. Endure all things. You've got to be the one who endures the wrong. Afflictions, do the work of the evangelist. Do the work of the evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. And make full proof of your what? Ministry. Your ministry, your servitude. Make full use of yourself as a servant. I haven't finished here, but I'm going to stop right here. I'm going to pray the Lord bless us, keep us. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I'm going to hand over to the minister in Jesus' name.